this week on Big Me With your hosts, Jason Dia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And this week's episode comes from our union, Jay. Uh, Jim Stelter, one of our patrons who has been with us for a number of years. It's his pick wasn't able to join us, but he has uh, selected an album for us to check out. Previously, you might remember these episodes, Jay. His previous two picks were Free Mars by Lusk, and This Is The Way It Goes and Goes and Goes by Juno, which I thought that was this year. It was not. It was last year. So this time, Jay... Jim has given to us a band that has a connection to a band that we have already reviewed. We are going to be checking out the 1998 album, The Ponzi Scheme, by Firewater. Now, the connection is that lead singer um, Todd A., who also is goes by the name, or he goes by the name Todd A., but his name is Todd Ashley. Um, previous to this band, he was in cop shoot cop the uh new york uh what would you call them um noise rock industrial rock so he formed uh this band i guess when after cop show cop shoot cop broke up and um they were together from 1996 to 2012 so jay were you familiar with the band cop or the cop shoot were you familiar with the band uh firewater uh, I've seen the name and I've seen a lot of the album covers. They tend yep. to have pretty good iconic album covers. So, uh, other than that, I didn't know anything about them. So the, the lineup is fluctuating, but in and out of the band have been Dwayne Dennison of the Jesus Lizard, Yuval Gabay or Gabay of Soul Coughing, um, Ori Kaplan of Gogol Bordello. And a number of other people. The, the, um, so Tade said when he formed Firewater, he wanted to expand the sound of what he was doing with Cop Shoot Cop. He wanted to not only do alternative rock, but he wanted to add cabaret and jazz and ska, um, gypsy, klezmer. He wanted to, he wanted to basically he was interested in, in a lot of different European sounds that had not been integrated into alternative music at that time. And actually, in 2006, he ended up leaving the country for a couple of years and living in, um, he took a sabbatical and he lived in Thailand and India, Pakistan, Turkey, and in Indonesia, uh, which he kept a blog and then he wrote a book about it when he came back. So the band was, um, it, the first album came out, Get Off the Cross, We Need the Wood for the Fire, came out in... Um, 96, this album, as mentioned, Ponzi Scheme, 98. Psychopharmacology came out in 2001. The Man on the Burning Tightrope, 2003. 
Songs We Should Have Written, 2004, The Golden Hour, 2008, and International Orange, 2012. The first, well, this album came out on Universal. Um, the first album and um, three more albums released on Jet Set, and the last two records came out on Bloodshot Records. And what was the, the oh, the um, Songs We Should Have Written is a covers record. It covers... Artists such as Sonny Bono, uh, Lee Hazelwood, Tom Waits, Johnny Cash, John Lennon, Rolling Stones. So, there you go. Jim had some words for us. He wasn't able to make it, but he did give us some some notes on this record that he picked. He said, um, For the first time, I'm not picking a favorite album. I don't like all of the songs. In fact, there are some cringy moments but these are balanced by some incredibly catchy moments that keep bringing me back and still make me smile. I will admit this album is also locked into a strange kind of nostalgia and ironically not one rooted in the actual 90s. Much like my other albums, I discovered this one while working at Finders, yes, that Finders, in Finley, not Bowling Green, in 2000. I'm not sure why that is, maybe because... Despite being, despite being a rabid music fan, I followed a typical 90s kid path, grunge to metal. It wasn't until I started working at a music store that my interest started to branch out, and I dug a little deeper. Bad pun intact. Um, it's been on my list since I've been submitting albums for review, and I'm kind of surprised they haven't been featured on the show yet. I, also, I'm letting myself down. Unlike my other picks, this one is widely available for streaming and probably in every dollar cutout bin that we sadly can't sift through. <laughs> so I do believe that's true. I do remember I do remember seeing this album cover around a lot. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. Over at Patreon, we had votes and we had comments. Kyle Bittner said, this album was okay. I listened to it while doing housework and found it all blended together. The horns added a bit of flair, but not enough to make me want to revisit the album or seek out further albums. Willie Dillon said, first time hearing this seems to have some solid songs, though some are definitely more enjoyable than others. Singer's voice is like if Mark Lanigan and Mark Oliver Everett of the Eels had a baby, with Lanigan's DEA being dominant. <laughs> It's funny how much the intro keys of Whistling in the Dark sound like Puppet on a String by the Hives, though that l the latter came later. The only song I really don't care for is Knock Em Down. Anyway, better EP for me, I think, though it might grow into a worthy album. Well, we'll find out how the voting turned out at the end of the show when we give our final uh, ratings. So, Jay, tell me one thing you liked about the Ponzi scheme, which, by the way, when you Google the Ponzi scheme by Firewater, by Firewater uh, one of the top uh, search results is Bernie Madoff. <laughs> if anybody remembers Bernie Madoff. Uh, what did you think of, or what was uh, one thing you liked about the Ponzi scheme by Firewater? Uh, unfortunate album, album title, huh? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they're obviously, they've got a concept here. The approach is... I guess mostly just, you know, pop songs, pop rock songs um, that they bring a different sort of instrumentation to. So instead of being guitar driven, most of these tend to be more drum bass oriented, but then 
they replace a lot of the guitars with other stuff. So Farfisa or some kind of organs or pianos. Um, you get violin. You get a lot of horns. There's even some violin and cello on here, which I thought was um, pretty cool. So I, I enjoy that concept. Uh, now they're able to do that on, on a lot of the material successfully in keeping, you know, kind of the edge of a rock band. Um, so a lot of those instruments don't lend themselves necessarily to edge um, or grittiness or, you know, uh, aggressiveness or any kind of like, you know, um, distortion or what you would, you know, typically want from um, a rock um, rock band or rock songs. But somehow they're able to do that, which I think is pretty cool. Um, even when the guitars that do have you know, songs that do have prominent guitars, they tend to be cleaner. Um, but still, I think probably because of the singer's voice and just the energy overall that things are presented, you know, the tempos they choose and the, the way that they um, tend to push the songs, you know, from a tempo standpoint, um, at least the ones that are more rocky. Um, and then this, uh, like I mentioned, the vocals are definitely have a lot. He's got a lot of tone. He's raspy. You know, it's a. Uh, I guess punkish in that regard, um, in terms of a vocal, you know, it's pretty raw sounding and real. Uh, I think that helps roughen up some of the instrumentation that, you know, tends to be a little turned down from your typical, you know, hard rock or punk pop or whatever you want to uh, classify some of this material as. So I think it's a, it's a pretty cool concept. And when it works, it, it definitely gives them a unique, sound and makes them identifiable. I think it's interesting too, that it does sound similar to some other bands that were at the time. And I, I don't know if that was, I, I don't think it was intentional. Um, so it's kind of curious. I, I know somebody mentioned the hives, which I've heard in myself. Um, you know, it's kind of familiar in that way, but it was, um, maybe done with a little bit more originality or integrity than some of like say Smash Mouth is another band that comes to mind uh, listening to this that um, <laughs> obviously don't have those characteristics. is an interesting band because we just did morphine which was a horn driven band yeah and the, they're using horn, like i mean the first song on the record it sounds like it's um out of uh out of a 1960s or 70s like spy movie or not even a spy movie but like it, it has this yeah what is that uh what is that that part? I know what you're talking about. Like, what is the song that that's based on? I mean, that is a it's almost spy movie trope like song. 
Um, no. Actually, you know what it is? It reminds me of like the, uh, some of the st- the scenes in the Blues Brothers, <laughs> where they're like driving around. Okay. Uh, I don't know what it's, that's from. It's that baseline. Yes. Um, and I was a little worried after the first songs. I was like, is this going to be like a jokey record? Like, are they going to do like yeah. riffs on? But they they settle into skits. this interesting. Yeah, I was waiting for some skits. Um, they settle into this really unique sort of combination of like i mentioned uh what Tade was moving into after cop shoot cop of wanting to do a broader sound and and bringing in these musicians who had a background both in you know post hardcore and um noise rock with the jesus lizard and cop shoot cop and stuff but then also getting the drummer from Soul Coughing, which was very jazz and world influenced in terms of the percussion that was used. And it's an it's a really sort of bizarre push and pull because you take a song like um, uh, I Still Love You, Judas. It's, it's a bit more of like a straight up just sort of rock song. I mean, I could hear like Mark Lanigan singing that song. It's it's not as as um, Tom Waitsy as like Knock 'Em Down is, <laughs> yeah. which I was like, is that that's got to be a cover of of something? I don't know what that is. And and Caroline is like in the same, you know, straight ahead kind of rock song. Um, what I think is interesting is that from a, a consistency standpoint, the the more experimental songs they don't sound out of place necessarily. I mean, when they start when they introduce, yeah. uh, um, I think they're using like. Um, uh, I don't know if it's a, a, a not, it's more than just an organ. I don't know if he's using an actual like um, air organ. We know it's like the ones with the, not, I'm not talking about a, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, you know what I'm talking about? The ones that have like the compressed air. Uh, they're like a circus farfisa? organ. Well, it could be a farfisa maybe. Um, That's what I thought it was. Okay. I mean, there are, well, there's a, there, I think there's several. Organs probably here that are being used yeah there's there's two people credited paul walfish and david oimet are both credited with playing organ and piano and then there's also multiple um you know there's a cellist violinist uh trombone saxophone and some of them are just for specific tracks um but i i like the the diverse 
um, instrumentation, especially when I was hearing it through the through the filter of like, oh, I wonder if Lanigan have, would have tried something like this with this mm-hmm. sort of worldly sound. Like his voice would lend itself to it, whereas he kind of he tends to move. If anything, he's moving out of rock. He moves into like a more electronic sound. Yeah, and and he never really a- approaches this end of it. Yeah, it would be interesting to hear him do like instead of going to the electronic, like take those concepts and do them more like this, like an eclectic kind of just more organic and and you know, a little bit. Or, yeah, you know, um, so but super diverse like instrumentation. And I like Todd A's vocal. I think that's the thing that works best for me on the majority of the songs. I mean, like I'm, you know, knock me down is a little over the top. Um, and it, I doesn't, I don't feel like it fits the flow of the rest of the record. Um, but I think he does a good job. And, and part of that tying all the instrumentation together is him, his vocal ties helps tie everything together. So I was, I was surprised. I was really like concerned after the first, track that i was not gonna like this record and i'm like then once i was able to listen to it all the way through and give it some additional listens i kind of figured out okay this is i i get what they're doing now so i i do have i mean there are some issues but we can get into that (laughs) yeah we will oh okay well let's just get into that then so where are your trouble spots well, I think you touched on it uh, with the first song. I think when they are using this type of of instruments and approach sonically, it's very easy to become like a genre band or song, like get in the material where it's like, oh, they're doing a samba <laughs> or, oh, this is a mariachi music. Um, so when they explore to me my my ear i go to those genres and i start to like tune out I'm like oh this is a rock band trying to do like a mariachi song or a circus song you mm-hmm. know well, like all these other things that with these instruments is so easy to sound like so there are many missteps on this record uh where they step they kind of cross over that line they go from like oh i want this to have like a samba feel to like, no, with these instruments, this sounds like you're trying to write a samba song <laughs> or, a, you know, a, a music that is not anywhere in any kind of like pop rock genre. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's to me where this record kind of falls apart um, from that way and that way. Um, so, I mean, I guess no surprise. I like the stuff that's more rock oriented. So, to me, the rock, the record really kicks in with dropping like flies. I, I think even Greenlight, it's sort of like a little kitschy, like '60s style sounding. And I, I was just like, oh god, this sounds like Smash Mouth. Like, this sounds like a, I, I, you know, a song like I'm gonna pull an album track off of that Smash Mouth album. Between his voice and like the Varfisa and the '60s style like retro stuff, I was like, oh shit, where are we so going? It's also with some record? troublesome lyrics in that song. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you what, know what the chorus? What the, the chorus. Uh, he says, I believe the, the, the chorus lyric is going down like a pederast in a bo- in an all boys school. Oh, <laughs> yikes. Yeah. 
It's a little weird. The lyrics I paid like I paid attention to uh, "Whistling in the Dark," trying to decipher what that was about. Um, I, I I think it was that that was the song. I, the, my best guess was that it was about like going off your meds and becoming a hobo. Like I didn't. Oh no no no! It was uh, "So Long Superman" was the one I was trying to pull apart what the lyrics were about, and I was like, the best I could come up with is you know going off your meds and like going and wandering around and like leaving normal society. <laughs> but I have no idea what he was talking about. I figured out what the the first song sounds like. The Peter Gunn okay. theme. Uh, that's, that's what it was. Re- we're both like, yeah, kind of linking it to or, or remembering it. Yeah. As. And it's got that vibe. There's yeah. And I, I just, when I hear that, I was like, I don't need to hear that. Like, no, no, no. And then even things like Whistling in the Dark, which I think is a pretty good song, that bass line that starts it off is just, it sounds like the first thing you'd play if you've never played piano before and you just were sit, sat around and noodled on it for 30 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like tried to come up with something that was like a little melody. It sounds like the, the thing you'd come up with. The song gets better after that, but it's just such a, it starts such a bad, and it's such a bad note that it's hard to recover. Um, so yeah, that, uh, those two songs, um, another perfect catastrophe, not great. It made me think of El Mariachi Bronx, which I do like a lot. I think for whatever reason, those guys just pull that like combination of like, you know, being a punk band and playing mariachi music. Yeah, I did really like that well. one. I, I kind of wish they, they had honestly explored that end more and not bothered even with, like, some of the straight-up rock stuff. Like, pick one or the other. Yeah. You know? In the same um, way that w- when we reviewed the Caviar record, like, there were elements of that Caviar record that were very kitschy in yeah. a, you know, 60s throwback way and i liked that and then they would just go into these like pop punk stuff parts that were like so over the top production wise that it it became they drowned him out and it's like find find your happy medium or just go one way or the other especially when you have all these players who can do it on this record like just play to their strengths don't worry about the four, you know, 
the four four you know guitar rock you know three minute long songs like those are fine but i would say like greenland's a good example of like they're, i think they're trying to write a hit song it sounds like but it's so generic like when they get to the chorus you're just like like yes okay i get it this is supposed to be the hooky chorus but like i'm not feeling it like it just sounds like something from a car commercial um so i can kind of hear maybe what you're what you're saying too when they when they go in the rock direction it's not always successful because sometimes it just becomes too like vanilla and mm-hmm. that um el baracho sounds like oompa loompa music i feel like i'm watching willy wonka <laughs> with that song uh Knock Him Down sounds like a parody of like gospel music or a church song. Uh, so, you know, I would say probably half the record is like that of just like throwaway catchy novelty things. Um, yeah. Maybe that were fun to do with, because you had the instruments in the room and the players, but uh, don't work really great. Uh, I'm more into like dropping like flies and Caroline and. I love dogs so long Superman. I still love you, Judas. Like those are probably the, to me, the stronger. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are all fine, but they sound less original. Like they, they, they're all perfectly solid rock songs. And I, I do think it's interesting. This is not the only band where they, we have a lead singer and who moved on from a previous band in the early nineties and started an, a new project and was successful with it. Like this band, you know, was together for quite a while and I guess did pretty well, especially in Europe, which makes sense because they're introducing a lot of European sounds. And I, I think that that was, you know, not terribly unusual for in the late nineties or early two thousands for a lot of, especially of the indie rock folks who maybe signed to a major like think about like jay robbins you know jay robbins did jawbox for all those years and then you know burning airlines was sort of jawbox part two in a lot of ways it had some of the same players and it didn't sound hugely different than jawbox still had his sensibility as a songwriter and whatnot but it seemed like a number of artists traded in the uh the original um band to do something slightly different it's you know with a different drummer for burning airlines they kind of had a little bit more a little bit different sound going on with zach barocas um he introduced a lot of different stuff for for that band but um it might be a round table in the future (laughs) of 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 bands that uh or artists that reinvented themselves as a different you know, you know, mm. guy from Tripping Daisy going to do the polyphonic spree and, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So, so I give him credit. I mean, there's some definitely some interesting experiments. I just, I, I it's almost like there's two different albums here. And um, in some respects, the, the more experimental stuff is more interesting because not many people were doing that. And when I say experimental, I just mean like, you know, the, uh, the stuff that sounds like, um, I hate, you know, they're not, it's not straight up indie rock. I mean, it's this weird combination of (laughs) cabaret 
ska gypsy punk. I don't know what I mean. It's a weird um, combo. Yeah, and then I, I think it were uh, my favorite moments are the when it's moodier and just more atmospheric and darker sounding too. Like there's mm-hmm. more space and things kind of like calm down and like he's got a really cool voice, you know. So yeah getting some of the instrumentation like just to support that and and not be so up front is is probably a good thing for them um i like the string like the violin and the um cello stuff i think that sounds really cool with his voice so like to me that is the space where it sounds really much more unique and overall just compelling um yeah so this comes out in 98 there's no way i mean this is college radio definitely but this is not getting on most maybe green light but that's got some lyrical issues yeah (laughs) yeah that's not all-star yeah exactly so and this was released on a major on the shrek soundtrack no dear god no So, we'll give our our Patreon Patreon uh, uh, poll result in a moment. But Jay, where do you land on this uh, confounding little record that uh, Jim brought to us? Were the album better EP or decent single? It's a better EP. Uh, Dropping like flies, Caroline whistling in the dark. I love dogs. So long, Superman, and I still love you, Judas. One, two, three, four, five. Six. So I'm at like six or seven, you know, I could pull off one of those to, to get it to be a tighter, even tighter EP. But this feels like solid EP, EP territory to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I, I do like, um, like I said, some of the more non-traditional songs, like Another Perfect Catastrophe. Um, along, I do like Caroline. I like the um, the the strings in that. And um, I probably... Add Isle of Dogs and um, maybe I still love you, Judas. So it'd be kind of a mix, but I, I'd be at like a four or five song EP. So and and you know, Jim said there were. This is not exactly a a home run worthy album. I mean, this has yep. some this has some issues um, from the the Peter Gunn <laughs> opener. <laughs> To the um, <laughs> not not a great way to start an album, and you know the thing with El Baracho, like if that had been like the hidden track at the end, yeah, I would have been fine with that. But to put it like right in the middle of the album, that's so asking a lot. Is is this a concept record with the Ponzi's theme and the Ponzi's relapse, and maybe it is. I don't know what the concept would be, but I didn't pick it up. Between the title of the album and then some of the album titles, it made me start to wonder. Right. Well, you you won't be surprised. Uh, the voting was 50-50. Maybe you will be. Between Worthy Album and Better EP. Okay. At, uh, at, uh, and there was multiple votes, so this was not just, you know, one and one. Uh, it was two and two. So uh, <laughs> it, uh, it definitely got, uh, you know, some people to check it out. And hopefully, I think it's, you know, worth checking out. You can go on, it's a streaming because it was on Universal. And um, I believe 
most of their records, if not all, are, are there's there. a lot. Yeah, they have you know quite a bit on streaming, and um, some of them have been reissued as well. So I think they have all the the years wrong. They're all listed as 2012, or most of them, and that's not correct. But uh, uh, Apple Music has dates, has the right date. So they start 96 and go through 2012. Yes, of course, Spotify does not. And there's seven records on Apple Music. So this album has only it, been released on... Span. Huh? I said, if you're into it, it's it's easy to, uh, to uh, yes. listen to the Span's catalog. Uh, this album was only released on CD. No vinyl release. So... Maybe yeah. that uh, maybe that'll happen in the future. But again, this is their Universal album, so not their Jet Set or Bloodshot uh, release. So might be a little bit more difficult. Need to thank Jim. Another interesting pick to go along with Juno and Lusk. Uh, nice little collection of records there. And if you would like to select a record, you can join us over at Patreon. DMOUnion.com. DigMeOutUnion.com is the place you go to vote in polls to help us pick records for these such episodes. Uh, we also have round tables that you can vote in depending at the uh, tier you're at stickers and t-shirts flying out the door via the, uh, the mail system. And, um, also where you can read the newsletter, the box that goes out every week with our release calendar of books, movies, and of course albums relevant to the podcast, 80s and 90s, and as well as new music reviews, lots of uh, stuff up there. We should have a pretty hefty collection of reviews by the time the year ends. It's going to be a yeah. uh, nice little nice little uh, uh, thing to, add to when we get do our end of the year wrap-up. We'll be able to talk about a lot of new releases that came out this year, a ton of stuff. That's come out this year. I feel like uh, this is probably one of the busiest years for us in terms of uh, albums from bands that are relevant to the podcast. Yeah, there should be a, I would guess we should hit somewhere close to 100 uh, new music reviews on there by the end of the year. Wow. We'll see. Yep. And if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback at Apple Podcasts. Uh, so for Jay, I am Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out. Dig me out.